We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120. KMOX. Well, this is it, the end of 2017. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you. I'm a news reporter here at KMOX, and you're the Executive Director of the Venture Cafe Global Institute. And let's maybe go over some of the big innovation stories from this past year. We'll bring in David Nicholas, a business columnist with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who's written so much about many of these stories that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and it has been a great year, and it's ending on a positive note with the uh, the, the saving of not necessarily the tech shop space, but the Maker's Vibe uh, with Maker Studio that mm. Jim McKelvey uh, helped swoop in and take care of, and we're going to uh, take a tour of the new space. If you've ever wanted to build something physical and you're like, I don't have the equipment for this, they've got everything from the 3D printers to the laser cutters to the, what's the machine that you always joke about, uh, the water jet? The water jet that can cut through six inches of steel. Uh. Be careful with that one. Yeah. So we'll take a tour. We'll go inside the building on Del Mar that they've purchased uh, to move all of the equipment to. So the National a Tech Shop Company went into bankruptcy. Luckily, though, in St. Louis, it was structured so that Cortex owned all of this cool equipment that was inside of Tech Shop. It's so like a, It's like a million dollars worth of equipment. I, I need to... I think it is a million dollars, yeah. I think it's great, and we're going to be able to... It'll be able to be repurposed uh, into it and breathe new life, and makers will continue. And also happening in the St. Louis region when it comes to technology and innovation, there's a great debate that's stewing in some of our municipalities in St. Louis County and elsewhere, some of the suburban parts of the region, about Airbnb. Should people be allowed to rent out their homes or apartments or at least a room in their home or apartment? A lot of municipalities are taking a look at some rules... And then also, did you know that just in the city of St. Louis alone, Airbnb hosts made more than $9 million this year? That is, that's some serious cash. Yeah. <laughs> that is so some serious cash. We'll get the scoop from the spokesman for Airbnb in the Midwest. So all of that is coming up on Nothing Impossible. We'll be back. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan in Studio C with you for this edition of Nothing Impossible. And let's do a review maybe of some of the biggest news that we've probably talked about over the past year. It, it, this is a time of year uh, you know, that we look back before we start looking too far forward and, and taking an assessment of what has happened in the last year in St. Louis. And uh, yeah, let's do that. All right. Maybe it's because I'm a little hungry, but let's start with, uh, we were talking about Panera with David Nicholas of uh, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, we were talking about how I said, I, I hope that the Panera acquisition is more like a Purina than a May company for the experience for St. Louis, David. I think it will be. They were sold for for more than seven billion dollars to JAB Holding, which is a uh, you know kind of a, a food related conglomerate. They own Krispy Kreme, they own uh, Einstein Bagels, and they let their businesses run pretty independently. So really, it's uh, Panera is still based here. It's a local success story and one we should celebrate. Speaking of celebration, we had a couple of. Uh 
you know, what we would consider St. Louis startups, uh, observable networks, and uh, Confluence Life Science that both were acquired this year. We often talk in the startup world about the importance of an exit or an acquisition. Uh, what impact do you think those have had on the region or will have on the region? I, I, I think, a, you know, a strongly positive impact. Those, those, those companies were bought uh, observable by Cisco, which mm-hmm. is a, a huge company. And um, Confluence was bought by Aclaris, which is a Philadelphia-based pharmaceutical firm publicly held. I mean, both of those buyers said they really like St. Louis, like the workforce, like the environment, um, want to grow here. And hopefully both of those uh, deals returns uh, positive funds to the investors uh, so the investors can redistribute that into more deals into St. Louis. Right. I, that's what uh, that's what everyone is saying. We, we, we need more of those. We need you know maybe even some, some bigger exits in, mm-hmm. in 2018. And in terms of sparking uh, companies earlier on, there's been a lot of uh, upheaval on the state level with the Missouri Technology Corporation, yeah. some of the funding there, uh, both for grants for startups and investments in startups, matching investments, and also funding for T-Rex and Arch Grants and programs, those kinds yeah. of organizations. Yeah. yeah, But there's also been some talk with the new governor of new approaches to this kind of stuff. So, David, what do you, what do you think is going to play out here on the state level? Well, that's going to be something to watch in the uh, you know in the next few months. Uh, the the governor has said he's interested in uh, floating some some bonds to to fund a, a really big investment fund that might be managed by a uh, you know by a third party by a you know a private sector fund manager that could uh, you know put some so a meaningful amount of money into the uh, you know the startup ecosystem here. That would be that would be positive. I think we need you know. We we want to uh, see the funding get back to at least what the uh, the MTC was doing because they had become a key player. Well, and I think both of the deals that we referenced, uh, Confluence was had been part of yeah. the biogenerator uh, mm-hmm. overall package and program uh, yeah. here in St. Louis, which meant they probably received some level of MTC funding. In fact, I do I know that they were probably in that MTC mix. And Observable uh, weren't they an Arch Grants uh, recipient? I believe they were. They were one of the, yeah. were they one of the original Arch Grants? I don't companies? think they were an original. I think that they were early on. But that's Maybe, another yeah. that's Maybe another program. Second. Even if they didn't get directly uh, directly get MTC funding, because I don't know if they did, they were a beneficiary of mm-hmm. MTC's uh, funding. So. Uh, we have, you know, we couldn't, we may not have these exits if we don't have participation by the state. Sure. And in terms of um, what's going on with Cortex and mm-hmm. what's happening there, people are going to, this is, might be the best example for people who don't, aren't familiar with the business scene. They don't know what's going on with mm-hmm. startups, but they might drive by on the highway on the way to a Cardinals game and <laughs> see the cranes in there, you know, <laughs> yeah, once these buildings yeah, start yeah. to go up and the at symbol on top of the building, the new Microsoft building going up. I mean, what do you think is going on with Cortex? Is this legitimately becoming one of, uh, potentially one of the country's preeminent innovation districts? Oh, I think it's already getting that kind of recognition. You saw some, you, you saw some national uh, me- media visiting St. Louis and, and writing about how this uh, sort of deliberate strategy of, of uh, starting an innovation district, uh, the, the groundwork was laid probably 20 years ago, and it, it took a while to get to a critical mass. They built a couple of buildings, the one on, on, on Forest Park where Biogenerator is, um, and, uh, and filled it up. Um, then once, uh, once the startup uh, community here got to uh, you know, a certain size, a certain viability, uh, it just, just started to mushroom. 
The, and the new building for Microsoft is mm-hmm. going to have a component for Venture Cafe. Right. It'll have the uh, Innovation Hall, which will be a civic innovation space, a uh, new restaurant going in as well. But it'll be a place mm-hmm. for uh, companies to, or anybody really from the region, have about a 300-person, 400-person conference there. So it'll be like a conference center, again, creating that critical mass. Uh, we talked to Dennis Lauer a couple of weeks ago on the show about the importance of having the metro line, the hotel, the mm-hmm. conference center, the restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, Visia, uh you know, I, I think we can't go through looking at the startup community, especially as it relates to food and the recognition that a restaurant like Vicia has. The national recognition. Right. And the Post-Dispatch sure, sure. Uh, just ranked it as the number one of the new restaurants for the year as well. Oh. But, you know, you also got to talk about sort of more uh, uh, infrastructure like lab space. I mean, uh, yeah. Cor- uh, Dennis has said uh, mm-hmm. Cortex needs more lab space. Uh, Confluence Life Sciences mm-hmm. needs to grow because uh, their new parent is investing money mm-hmm. so that that'll be you know perhaps the next phase of what we see in cortex development let's talk a little bit about downtown because not only are we looking at the, from the technology standpoint and the startups that have spun out of t-rex and other places but ballpark village yeah. has gotten a, quite a bit speaking of seeing tr- cranes on your way to the cardinals game yeah, while you're sitting yeah. at the cardinals you're, game you're, you're going right to start there. seeing some cranes too and this interesting competition too across the street with a new residential tower that's mm-hmm. proposed to compete against the ballpark village one yeah that, that's right there there's uh yeah Downtown is, uh, you know, has kind of arrived as a residential neighborhood. Uh, it's also Ballpark Village will contain the first new office building in downtown St. Louis in almost 30 years. Do you think that Pricewaterhouse Cooper would have left if it hadn't been for this new office space? They they might have. Uh, you know, I think it's not. You know, they they never threatened to leave, but mm-hmm. it's they might have uh, looked at you know Clayton or mm-hmm. you know Highway Forty corridor or or somewhere else in the in the region if we didn't have uh, new space. I mean, the problem with uh, having you know a thirty year old building that we bear. I don't, I don't even think we had the internet thirty years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's, it's uh, I mean buildings are are designed differently today mm-hmm. than they than they were in in that era. Yeah. What are some things that uh, get, maybe give you pause from this last year that we should uh, not necessarily take a critical eye of, but you know we celebrate a lot here, but there are mm-hmm. some things that maybe haven't gone the right way in St. Louis. Well, we we have to, um, I mean, I think when you talk about business climate, I think mm-hmm. everyone's aware of uh, the, uh, you know, the, the racial issues, the unrest we've had over, over uh, you know, police mm-hmm. violence. I, I think we have to, uh, we have to solve that, the, the, the business Community, the civic community, and you know the public sector have to work together on on issues like that, on issues like crime, um, on issues like like governance and uh, regional regional cooperation. I think there's uh, that uh, you know is sort of uh, the the, uh, the the building block or you know the the uh, underlying uh, you know ecosystem that that can promote economic growth. We're talking some year-end stuff with David Nicholas, business columnist with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Maybe some quick hits on some of the other acquisitions, okay. Scott Trade, Monsanto, and Post Holdings has been on the other side. They haven't sold out. They've been on an acquisition spree well, of late. Well, we've had a few companies uh, that have been buyers here. Post, um, Mallinckrodt just made an acquisition mm-hmm. of another drug company. Emerson has made a few small mm-hmm. acquisitions. They tried to make a very large one, didn't didn't quite. That would have been a huge uh, one with Rockwell, it, it, right? It would have been. Didn't, didn't quite pull it off, but they're growing and uh, and and uh, doing well. Uh, you you can't look at St. Louis companies just as sellers. 
Although Monsanto, obviously, uh, that deal was announced in 2016, will probably close in 2018. Uh, that's that is a uh, you know a huge acquisition that that will uh, you know that will sh- shake up uh, the local business scene to to, to some degree. Uh, but it's not all downside. I know that a lot of those people in that 39 North uh, mm-hmm. Innovation District are kind of looking uh, anxiously at all the, the talent that will be freed up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, some some of these startups can get a, you know, a, a veteran executive or a veteran researcher uh, who who um, takes uh, takes a buyout or takes early retirement from, from Monsanto because of the deal. Um, it it, it uh, could be a plus for them. Speaking of talent, uh, I think we'd be remiss to not talk about the 50,000 uh, talented people that Amazon <laughs> is looking for. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, what did you call it? The winter meetings? Uh, <laughs> or hot stove league? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like the hot stove league there in October for a little bit. Now yeah. we're waiting, waiting to see who the finalists will be. That was that, that was certainly one of the big uh, business stories of, of 2017. Was that just totally crazy how Amazon threw the door open and said, here's all the criteria? Everybody it, it go was. for it. It was, it was <laughs> unprecedented. I think uh, St. Louis's attitude should be, um, you know, we're probably not going to win. It's a real long shot, but we can learn a lot from the from the process. I mean, look at that Amazon RFP. That tells you what a first-class growing company wants today in terms of infrastructure, in terms of transit, in terms of workforce, and we need to work to make St. Louis fit those criteria uh, not just for Amazon, but so we can accommodate other growing companies and, and perhaps have some wins. I used the analogy when we were talking about it a few months ago that it's like that really good term paper you write in college that maybe you uh, it, you don't get a solid A on your first mm-hmm. class, but you could always use that t- term paper for other classes down the road. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that what I what I've yeah. appreciated about this Amazon effort is that it has brought people together. Uh, it is a to my in my opinion, it's helped us craft a really strong narrative as to why we are open for business across industries across public to private um across jurisdictional boundaries which yeah, we which may is, have had some struggles which is, right. in the which is a big deal in st louis yeah and uh you know a nice vision for maybe the north uh, riverfront too hmm? we could also talk about the you know sort of the overall uh the the, the macro economy in st louis uh, unemployment down to uh 3.3 percent is it down to 3.3 yes wow. yes that is uh it's close to a record low. It's about the same as we had during the dot com boom of the you know of the late nineties. Oh. Now while that while that looks good on paper, I mean that yeah. that just means that it's a supply issue though, right? I mean uh, exactly, the businesses exactly. are struggling to find the talent they need. Uh, it does. It does. It means uh, you know wages are perhaps going to go up, which is good for workers, but uh, you know, makes it makes it a challenge. Uh, to to get those those businesses that may be looking for a you know for a lower cost area. When it comes to the the narrative for the region, getting more people to move in, getting more businesses to yeah, move in, yeah, you know what? Years years ago, St. Louis was eighteen, nineteen in terms of media market ranks. Mm-hmm. We're now we were twenty two, and we just hit twenty three. Mm-hmm. We were leapfrogged by Portland, Oregon. Uh huh. And yeah. so, while one county might brag, we're you know up three hundred percent over here. Oh, we've you know we've added you know number of residents yeah. over there. As a region. We're not growing. From my perspective, I'm in a smaller media market than I was a few years ago. Uh So what does the St. Louis region, do you think, need to do? Is it a national narrative thing so that we get in on the migration from other regions? Or is it more employers here? 
Well, the, you know, that that's kind of a chicken and egg issue. I mean, em- employers are going to go where they can find the workforce. So we, we've got to work on, uh, you know, we, we've got to work on quality of life. We've got to work on education um, and some, some of these, uh, you know, some of these infrastructure issues make, make St. Louis a, a place where people want to move, make it, make it well welcoming. I mean, uh, address address the uh, you know the the racial divide and the crime issues that may be uh, you know maybe keeping some people uh, from from even considering St. Louis. Well, if we're looking at especially if we address education, you know, so much of education is funded through tax dollars. Exactly. Uh, yet we have these uh, financing structures in place that keep tax dollars from funneling into into the schools, be right. uh, tax right. abatement and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, are we at a point yet in St. Louis at the development level where we can start ratcheting back some of these incentives uh, mm. for developers? Well, you know, public officials are starting to look at that. The, the city has, uh, you know, has, has started to to rethink the, uh, the the level of subsidies that they give to uh, to developers. And, in, you know, in some cases they've dialed them back a little, not, not dramatically, um, they just had to disclose the amount of uh, you know of tax abatement and and you know seventeen what, what, million I think I was, saw right yes, that yeah. was the figure for last year for for this year for uh, for the the city of St Louis and, and most of that came out of the uh, came out of the school district yeah I think the the report I heard was about three million would have gone to the city coffers but ten million. Uh, would have gone directly to the school district. And exactly. that's, that's yeah. a pretty, if we're looking at the quality of education as a driver mm-hmm. for not only mm-hmm. uh, talent development, but also the attractiveness of businesses coming here, yeah. where sometimes we're uh, cut off our nose to spite our face. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can you can subsidize a nice real estate development <laughs> for, the, for the company, but if it's at the expense of, uh, you know, of educating the workers yeah. they're going to need, uh, you're, you're not going to win. Right. They're like, city looks great. Uh, mm-hmm. Love the deal. How are the schools? <laughs> well, that deal that you're getting is actually why our schools may not be as strong mm-hmm. as they need to be. Well, let's finish up with uh, a little bit of good news and maybe some crystal ball. Um, Express Scripts, one of the largest companies we've ever had here, Centene building skyscrapers in Clayton, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Pfizer building a new campus in Chesterfield, and apparently we have the best retention of any of their laboratory markets in the country for mm-hmm. Pfizer. But also some challenges in the healthcare market, too, especially with Express Scripts. I wonder if they get involved with a partnership or a deal with Amazon or some other kind of vertical integration when it comes to the healthcare sector, or maybe they just go it alone. Well, that, that's a fascinating sector. I mean, uh, to this point, they have gone it alone. Their, their rival, CVS, of course, owns, owns drugstores, and they're now buying a health insurance um, company. They're, you know, they're vertically integrating. Express Scripts' current model is uh, you know, that, that uh, employers are better off just having a, a sort of neutral, uh, independent arbiter to, uh, you know, to negotiate their, their drug benefits uh, but but Amazon is is rumored to be looking at the pharmacy space, so there there are going to be changes ahead. I guess that's about the extent of of uh, what I'm willing to predict. <laughs> I, it 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 could go any of a number of ways. So the prediction is there there will be changes in the future. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. that's I, a bold one. Yeah, I, I could probably get behind that one as well. <laughs> All right, David Nicholas, business columnist, St. Louis Post Dispatch. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure, Michael. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible after this. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangamo X.
When you travel, how do you stay? Do you book a hotel room or have you tried Airbnb? A lot of people, at least in the St. Louis area, have gone the latter route. And joining us to talk about it is Ben Bright, the Midwest spokesman for Airbnb. So people might wonder about this Airbnb thing if they're not familiar with it and how much, you know, could I make? How much did St. Louisans make last year? Uh, quite a bit. A uh, huge year for St. Louis hosts um, uh, on our platform. They made over $9 million. So this is $9 million going directly uh, in, into their pockets. Uh, you know, some people make more than others. Um, you know, sort of the beauty of the platform is that you can host as much or as little as you want. Uh, if you've got an extra bedroom, say you're an empty nester, and you, know, you feel like making that available every week of the year, uh, you can do that. Uh, we also have you know, quite a few uh, people on our platform, um, both in St. Louis and throughout the state, who choose only to make their homes available during huge events. Uh, so, for example, the eclipse uh, or college commencement ceremonies uh, go on in St. Louis with, with all the, the, the huge and wonderful universities out there. Uh, you know, some people decide that that's best for them. Uh, so, you know, it really is up to the host. They set their calendars. They set their prices. It is totally up to them, and we just sort of, uh, you know, our platform is really a conduit for them to be connected to the guests. So, uh, all told, uh, the, the typical Missouri host was making about fifty three hundred. But again, you know, some people are you know content with just making a few few grants during a big event, and others you know do it much more frequently. And then uh, you know the St. Louis Metro uh, beyond the city of St. Louis. A lot of inner ring suburbs and other communities. I mean, what are some of the other ones in in the area that also rank pretty high? Obviously, nobody's going to hit nine million dollars, but right, yeah, it's, it's St. Louis is is and, and has been you know, the the top market you know throughout the state for uh, for quite a bit now. But you know, there there are you know sometimes there are events like, like the eclipse, really, that are so big that uh, even with the expanded logic capacity uh, afforded. Uh, by Airbnb hosts, it's not enough. You know, St. Louis was arguably the top destination uh, for Airbnb users during the eclipse. So you do have a bit of a spillover effect, uh, that's for sure. Um, but but otherwise, you know, sometimes folks just want to get off the beaten path. They don't want to necessarily be in the big city. You know, they'd prefer to be in a in a quieter, more tranquil suburb and you know, get into the city whenever they feel like it. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, this is certainly a platform that is not just limited to, you know, for, for you know, Columbia and St. Louis and Kansas City. Uh, anyone, whether you're in a big city or a more rural community or a suburban community, you know, can participate. And in terms of whether people are choosing Airbnb over hotels, one industry hurting the other, what have you found with that? Travel and tourism is a quickly growing industry. Uh, the hotel industry has never been doing better. From an occupancy standpoint, from a revenue standpoint, they are really doing great. And what we're finding more and more are, you know, folks, guests on our platform are doing so because maybe they can't afford a hotel or they want to be in an area that, that doesn't have hotels. They want to be, again, off the beaten path. Um, you, know, if, you know, so many neighborhoods in St. Louis don't have uh, hotels at all. So, you know, traditionally they've been sort of walled off from tourism revenue, well, that's not the case anymore. Any neighborhood you're in, if you want to list your home and try to make some supplemental income, you can. So we find increasingly that our platform caters to a different type of traveler, and it's allowing states like Missouri to benefit 
even more through the expanded lodging capacity. So, um, you know, n- not everyone shares that opinion, but but by and large, you know, we find that that our hosts are really you know, they're not competing uh, with 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 the hotels, uh, and and the stats really bear that out. I am uh, looking through the list and trying to scroll down and see. I see University City here and Richmond Heights and St. Charles. I was just in Richmond Heights at a council meeting of theirs last week, and they're talking about having a public hearing about whether to allow Airbnb or not. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get get involved in those municipal level conversations, or like right now they say it's not allowed in Richmond Heights? Yeah, I mean we we always want to be be a good partner to cities and states. So uh, currently there there's a big debate brewing in Kansas City, which is obviously the number two market uh, in the state of Missouri. And, you know, we've been involved every step of the way, answering questions, providing data, um, and, and most importantly, ensuring that our hosts in Kansas City have a seat at the table. Um, you know, obviously, our, our team is limited. We, we can't uh, make that type of investment in every single city. Uh, but by and large, you know, we, we believe to be regulated is to be legitimized. We support fair and thoughtful uh, regulation. And, you know, we're happy to answer questions and work with Anybody, any city of any size, uh, you know, to, to um, you know, in, in ensure that their concerns are being addressed, and that this platform is is benefiting the community to the best extent it can. How involved do you get in these municipal issues, or even when it comes to the state level? Taxation is is a really key point, and it's something we're really passionate about. Um, throughout the country, we've secured about three hundred and fifty tax agreements with cities, counties, and states. And what that allows uh, us as a platform to do is collect whatever the relevant taxes are directly from the host and remit them directly to the local government. And this is really key because these are, by and large, taxes that were developed with hotels in mind, you know, with large teams of accountants. Uh, very difficult for you know, your typical you know, middle-class host who's just doing this on the side to, or, or you know, say for the Eclipse, doing it just one time to try to figure that out and, you know, figure out who, who am I supposed to remit the taxes to, how much, when, you know, it is very challenging. So when we secure these tax agreements, uh, it, it does end up, it makes the process easier for hosts, for local governments. They end up, by and large, bringing in a lot of new revenue as a result. So everyone's happy. Uh, we are, uh, you know, I, I can let you know, close, I believe, to a tax agreement with the state of Missouri. Uh, which would be the first, uh, you know, in the state itself at the state level or the city or, or county level at any level, I guess. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're hoping to be able to announce that soon. All right. Thank you very much, Ben. Coming up next, we're going to take a little field trip to Del Mar and go inside of the new space for Maker Studio. That's up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Michael and Travis coming to you from the soon-to-be replacement for tech shop for Maker Studio. And it's, uh, I have to tell you, I'm partial to this building now because there's a giant, there's a, not a giant, there's a Vespa hanging over the side. And when I was still a Californian, I've, I was a Vespa driver. So Did you have the goggles and zoom along on the streets? I had the goggles. I had one, you know, 2007 normal Vespa and then a 1966 candy apple red Vespa. So Vespa has a spe- special place in my heart. Wow. A lot of history, I guess, with this building and a lot of history soon to be made. Let's talk about it with Doug Auer of Third Degree. 
Degree Glass Factory. Thanks for letting us in here for this tour. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to have you guys. And so talk about what this building is going to be for people who aren't familiar with what Tech Shop was, what that concept is like, and... uh, Yep, talk about uh, Maker Studio. Sure. So Maker Studio, um, it, this idea of Maker Spaces has become much more popular, and it's still, but it is still kind of an unknown. When I talk to people and tell them about this new idea, they they don't, they literally look at me kind of blank, you know, stare. What is it, Maker Space? What what are we talking about? So then I have to kind of go this, through this conversation of explaining that it's a shop, like a wood shop or a machine shop. Uh, but also other equipment that people can come and use. That typically there's a membership model, and uh, possibly some other you know hourly charges like we're considering. Uh, but you come in, you get trained up on the machines that you're interested in using, and then you can make whatever you want. And a reminder: what are some of these machines, and maybe what are some of the cool things that people can make with them? Yeah. So the most popular thing uh, is the laser cutter. So this is a CNC controlled laser cutter where you do design work on a computer, uh, designing whatever it is you want to cut or engrave out of things like wood or metal, or or, excuse me, not metal, (laughs) wood or plastic on the laser cutter. Uh, And then you can cut out things. So people people are making all different kinds of things. I mean, it's sort of an endless possibility in terms of what you can make on a laser cutter. And uh, third degree glass is kind of like a maker studio, maker space as well, isn't it? Exactly. That's why this makes so much sense to us. So we are literally a maker space for glass. That just happens to be our niche, but it's it's the same idea. We provide training, we provide classes for people to learn how to make glass, and then they can come in and rent the equipment and make whatever they want out of glass. It's the exact same model, just very, very specific. And there's a connection between Third Degree and Tech Shop with your partner in Third Degree Glass, Jim McKelvey, when he was trying to come up with the prototype for Square, he had to go to a tech shop in California. He did. So he, yeah, Jim, Jim and I are both hands-on guys. And so uh, that, that first prototype or multiple prototypes were made. Some of them started literally at Third Degree, uh, sitting at a table working with plastic. But yeah, he was out in California and he, I think he was at the original Menlo Park location, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, milling out and finishing the very first prototypes for Square. Yeah. So this building uh, is pretty massive, and it also seems very sturdy. Uh, I'm imagining that the equipment that's coming in here is, is, is heavy. Uh, how do you see this being laid out for, uh, for the makers that are going to come in? Yeah, so the benefit of this building is that it's actually larger. So we've got uh, the, the, the foot plate, or the floor plate, is about, it's about 15,000 square feet. Uh, but we have two floors, and uh, as you said, it's it's very very solid. So it's all poured in place concrete, and it was built back in the day when uh, they overbuilt concrete structures like this, not built them just to withstand what was necessary. This thing is a tank. Uh, literally a few weeks ago, there were I have probably a hundred cars parked upstairs, uh, and so yeah, we have no doubt that this place will withstand whatever we can put in it. <laughs> So uh, the space here is relatively raw, uh, but you're going to have a lot of great equipment. Are, is this going to be kind of a, a make-in-place type of thing where you're going to be building it as you're turning it all on? That's a great question. Uh, yes and no. So our hope is that we can move quickly and get the bulk of the work done because, as most people know, it's really hard to live in the place you're renovating. Uh, so we're going to try to do as much of the big, nasty work before we get anything in here. That said, we do want to move quickly. We would like to keep uh, all of the makers in St. Louis actively making. You know, the, If there's a big gap here, that's a problem for everybody. 
Yeah, especially with the holiday season, there was the stopgap measure to reopen what was once tech shop in the district. And what have you heard from some of the people who were able to take advantage of that? Maybe they had an Etsy shop or they were putting stuff together to sell for the holidays. Um, what were some of the good stories you heard out of the revival of tech shop as Maker Studio? You know, I don't have any specific stories that I can relate this morning. I mean, I've, I've been in there almost every day since we reopened, at least to, to pop in and see what's going on. And there have been people in there working and producing seen every day so I know it was appreciated and people have definitely thanked us and uh, we you know we were we were very happy to have helped out uh, as someone that makes things myself uh, I understood the importance of that and it was it was it was a, it was a big deal for all of us to get it open so you referenced uh, cortex earlier um, and now with uh, the maker studio just right down the street almost adjacent to where third degree glass is one of the things that's made cortex work is this idea of density and that looks like what's happening here on in this section of Delmar uh, you know Grab a crystal ball. What does this look like in three to five years as you have this, these makers working across the street from each other? That's a great idea. And that's, what, that's something that, you know, this is happening so quickly. We're in, I think, what, a month and maybe, maybe five weeks into this whole thing right now. Um, so there's lots of ideas flowing. Uh, we think there's a lot of potential to work together with Cortex and extend uh, what we're doing into the community further. But the specifics of that, who knows? I mean, I, we're all dreaming at this point. Uh, I'm, that's, I'm definitely guilty of being a dreamer, so uh, I will continue to dream. When you said that, I had visions of like retail incubator spaces up and down the stretch of Delmar. People can build stuff and then both build the prototype and then try out the retail aspect of it. I think you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> what was the impetus when you heard about Tech Shop to raise your hand and say, we're going to take this over and we're going to make sure that St. Louis is taken care of? Yeah, Jim was literally getting on a plane to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and I don't remember if he called, if someone called him or, you know, something, something came up, a news blip popped up and he called me and said, hey, did you hear about this? Uh, and I said, uh, yes. And he said, I'm calling Dennis. And uh, later that night, we had a phone call, uh, and then the next day we had a meeting, and uh, it just went from there. We just tried to make decisions that made sense for all of us, and uh, but with the spirit of the community in mind. I mean, this, you know, St. Louis has a lot of people that are ready to make stuff, and you know, obviously every, but that's true of any any city. There's there's makers everywhere, and uh, I'm a firm believer in in the power of people doing it themselves and learning from their mistakes and. Uh, we're ready to have a lot of iterations here in this space. What I think is beautiful about uh, this whole story is not only is a community full of makers, a community, this, especially St. Louis, is full of building stock like this that other cities would, would die to have. Uh, and for this building uh, that we're standing in to get a, a new life breathed uh, breathe back into it, uh, I think that is a good story for St. Louis. It's, uh, it's kind of our, our, our fighter's story that we have around here. Yeah, this building is a great fit for this. I don't think we, you know, we couldn't build a building like this uh, if we decided to, you know, and that was one of the conversations we had because we didn't have this building uh, when this all happened. So this 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 was acquired uh, just a few weeks ago uh, with lightning speed. It's it it it's a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work, but you know, being in the right place at the right time is is definitely something that that is important. I'm still caught up on the cars being parked on the second floor, but you might be able to hear the echo as we're talking. And this is kind of a cavernous building. There are the windows fronting Delmar, so that'll be cool. But what about the building? You know, even the detail on the columns. But what about the building? Do you think is is cool or stands out to you? Yeah. So this was, as far as we know, this was a, originally a Ford dealership back in. I, I think even as late early as the teens, uh, so one of the very first, it seems like. 
Um, and it, the, the space we're standing in now is most likely the showroom. So it is, there's a little bit more detail. They have some ornate uh, plaster work in this front section. And then behind it is all of the open space that would have obviously, I would think, been used for service and also storage uh, of the inventory. Uh, so it's kind of a fitting thing, right? So Ford, uh, you know, uh, this pioneer of modern industrialization, and here we are bringing people in to sort of come up with their own industrial creations. Who knows what the next, uh, you know, Henry Ford might be walking among us one of these days, right, and working on their, their small run of production that they could uh, scale up. Well, thank you, Doug, for the tour of the building and for getting us up to speed. And for people who are now intrigued about Maker Studio, where do they go to get more information? Oh, right now, they can go to stlmakers.com. All right, great. Doug, again, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Travis, good show this week. Good show. It's uh, always great to see new stuff happening in St. Louis. But hey, that's what we get to talk about every week. We get to go into these cool buildings before they're finished and anything's done with them, right? Get the, get the tours like this. Well, when it happens in St. Louis, we're going to talk about it and we get to see it and we bring the listeners along. We'll be back next week. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.